The following program is brought to you by TasteBud Entertainment. Welcome to two hours of delicious conversation with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Dish with celebrity chefs, cookbook authors, and food experts, and gain inspirational ideas. You'll learn kitchen wisdom, wine education, and culinary trends, and eat and drink like you've never done before. Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwynn starts now. Good morning, food lovers, and welcome. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio. A very happy Sunday morning to you. This is your culinary culture and lifestyle show that celebrates food. It's a place for people who love to eat and have a passion for cooking. And we're keeping you updated on the food scene and taking deep explorations of a broad range of culinary topics. So stay tuned. You just might learn something. Good morning to you, Lana. Good morning. We have a very full plate this morning, and we hope you'll stay tuned for the next two hours of delicious conversation. Let me tell you what we're serving up. Coming up in just a little bit, you'll hear from executive chef Sean Sean Armstrong rather of the Montage Deer Valley with his rustic grilling ideas for throwing a little elk on the barbie. Also later this hour you'll hear from Chef Jonathan Rollo. It's a chef-filled hour on fresh fare and his idea of the ultimate tortilla pizza, how to make it at home and what makes the perfect summer salad. His green leaf gourmet chop shop is one of our favorites. He's really bringing new fresh innovation to a culinary concept and we're excited to have him join us also coming up next hour we're going to celebrate bastille day whether you're french or otherwise you can pop a bottle of champagne and plan your picnic because steven strauch of Monsieur marcel is going to help us plan the ultimate croque mesure and escargot and coco van and all those wonderful french things or excuses for that matter those french foods that really do allow us to celebrate and coming up at the end of the nine o'clock hour chef chat Shachi Mera of Tamarind of London is stocking your Indian pantry. Chef Shachi is an Indian chef that is not only a female chef, but just a fabulously rockin' cook. And I love the way that she creates modern Indian cuisine at the restaurant based in London with Michelin stars that has come just recently to Newport Beach, California. So we're looking forward to having her as well. And we hope you'll stay tuned and consider sharing your passion as well. You can always find us serving up seconds at chefjamie.com where you'll find the radio recipe of the week, an opportunity to cook with Lana and ways to grow your kitchen confidence. You've made the right choice. You've tuned in to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen, and we hope you'll join in as well. Phone lines are open, 888-KFWB-980-888-539-2980. Okay, Lana, here's the thing. We get all these wonderful emails, right, Mm -hmm. from fabulous foodies, and (laughs) it just proves that those who adore food are listening to the show. Because a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned fried capers Mm -hmm. in a dish, and we received a slew of emails that Everyone wanted to know, how do you fry a caper? Well, most everyone knows that we love deep fried food. I don't really know anybody that doesn't, right? Like fried chicken, french fries, corn dogs, little teeny lovely delicious donuts. But what about frying the things you might not have thought of? Crispy garnishes like fried garlic or parsley add a beautiful texture to a dish and they sort of gild the lily I think when you're creating your dishes to add that one extra prize crunch just 
you know, absolute secret ingredient. And it's not that you need a deep fryer for these. No, you don't. Thank you. And that makes a great point, right? Because you could put a saute pan on the stove with just about any oil, preferably one with a high smoking point, please. Mm -hmm. So you could go the, you know, peanut oil route, let's say, but you could also go grapeseed or even olive oil. Um, Avocado oil works very well, very high smoking point. It has a very luxurious, rich flavor. How about a vegetable oil? Definitely. So Mm -hmm. sunflower, safflower too, as Mm -hmm. well. So you spoke, we listened. Here are three of my favorite things to fry for a garnish. First are capers, the little spheres that are actually flower buds of a prickly shrub. If you didn't know, they grow all over the Mediterranean. If you eat them raw, they are unpalatable. I mean, bitter, but they're always cured in either vinegar or salt. And they have this wonderful, intense flavor after the curing process. You can buy them salted. They're dry, not in a liquid, or in a brine, which is what you're used to buying. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that they have that wonderful sort of sweet, salty, sour flavor to it. And they have been considered very umami in the flavor profile spectrum. Now, if the buds are allowed to blossom you know they become caper berries. Those are my favorite and a beautiful garnish to a summer niçoise. But here's how to fry them. Just pat them dry when you buy them in the brine and then throw them into a shallow saute pan with a little bit of any oil we discussed. Mm -hmm. And they get crisp and they open up like little beautiful flowers and you'll start to smell their aroma and they get crunchy. And I think that they are absolutely delicious thrown into a Mediterranean pasta salad, hot or cold. Mm -hmm. I think that they make the ultimate crunchy addition to a Caesar salad. So good. And if you're making a Frito Misto or you're frying any fish throughout the summer, whether it be for a fish sandwich or you're making a fish fry, Mm -hmm. garnish with some of those crispy capers and let everyone ask you... What is that? Mm. I, I just I just got this fabulous burst of flavor. Yeah, they're very nice on any fish dish, I think. I agree. And so that's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, what else do I love to fry? The herb known to be the herb of love. I know you have a tremendous amount of basil growing in your garden, Mom. And uh, yes. for those that do, its flavor is best captured when it's served fresh, of course, but deep fried sweet basil hit the culinary scene probably a few years ago now. You'll see it across the nation in in some of the top Italian restaurants. And in fact, we received an email some time ago from a gentleman by the name of Darren, who we met in a New York restaurant. Um, He was dining at Mario Batali's and sent us Mm -hmm. his restaurant update for New York and mentioned the fried basil, I remember, on his pasta. So basil leaves cooking about 10 seconds you need a little bit more olive oil when you're frying herbs aside from let's say capers or otherwise so fill that saute pan a little bit more dry the basil leaves that have been picked from the stems very well remember oil and water don't mix and then just carefully lay the leaves into the oil and let them just crisp up they turn bright green if you go too long they're beautiful yeah they are but if you go too long they will burn a slotted spoon to a paper towel lined plate would be perfect just to take them out and let them drain and then you can always season them with a little bit of salt or even better Sprinkle them with um, finely grated Parmesan cheese. Mm. So good. And then throw them into your potato chips when you put out a bar snack. 
So you have fried basil leaves with your potato chips. And you could even go store-bought and go to Bristol Farms and buy their fancy kettle chips and then mix them up. Oh, Put nice. out some nuts, pour a cocktail, mm-hmm. invite me over. Oh, I love that. I'm on my way. Uh, you're invited. I'll be right there. And then last but not least, lemon slices. Um, one of the things I love about a Frito Misto is the rich, succulent fish, right? And you're a calamari lover, so we... We do test, we call that research. Lots of calamaris everywhere yes, we, we go. Do. Yes. Um, but the the fried lemon slices add this burst of beautiful acidity and freshness. And I think they make a gorgeous garnish for fish as well. Mm-hmm. You um, do need, again, a little bit more oil. So a little bit, a little more, and most here when you're frying lemon slices, preferably in the deep fryer. Um, but preferably Meyer lemons from Bristol Farms or from Melissa's as well. And I like to dust my lemon slices, by the way, in a little bit of flour, preferably a fine grind like a semolina, and then throw them into 360 degree oil, which is, by the way, the most uh, median constant temperature for a deep fryer and about where you should be. Mm. 360 degrees. Don't crowd them. How about wonder flour? Wonder would be perfect. Mm -hmm. Yes. And great for gravy. And you get this crispy, golden, wonderful lemon. And then if you're making a Frito Misto, a fried mixed fish, throw in a pepperoncini. Dry it very well. Cut it into rings. Flour it as well. And you've got fried chili, fried lemon, fried fish, fried capers, fried basil. Bring it on. (laughs) I just put all three fried garnishes in one dish. A perfect opening. Very impressive, wasn't it? If you are looking for more culinary inspiration, you'll find a complete technique feature, by the way, at chefjamie.com because there is always some form of culinary education to gain. Speaking of that, bring your passion for food and gain uh, an even greater love for hot dogs if you don't already have a fabulous love for them. We are broadcasting live from Pink's Hot Dogs next Sunday, the legendary hot dog stand. 75 plus years now and we hope you'll join us for our annual hot dog breakfast broadcast uh, on La Brea just off of Melrose in West Hollywood as everyone knows we are celebrating National Hot Dog Month and you can come have a chili cheese dog and meet the Pink's family and share your culinary passion at nine o'clock you could have free hot dogs yes for the first half hour right nine to Mm nine thirty of the Pink's uh, daily opening, mm-hmm. per se. We are going to give away free hot dogs to Chef Jamie listeners. Well, they usually open at 9.30, and they're opening at 9. For us. But we are there from 8 to 9 as well. They're opening for us a little early because they're not sure I'm going to make it all the way to 9 without a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, we will be live on the radio at Pink's, the true L.A. landmark, next Sunday from 8 to 10 a.m. So please join us. Also, we have a contest going on that you must know about. We want to know what you're sipping this summer because you could win two tickets to La Caja Full opening Mm. night. And we want to know, it's just that easy, what's in your glass, right? Win a pair of tickets to La Caja Full at Segerstrom Hall at Segerstrom Center for the Arts in Orange County and a gift certificate for dinner at Antonello's Restaurante for $100 Mm. at South Coast Plaza Village just by raising the bar. 
Submit to us your best summer cocktail by sending it to live at chefjamie.com. Mm-hmm. Opening night is the 24th of yes. July. And the Tuesday deadline night. for this contest is this Wednesday, the 18th. And you could be our lucky winner. So opening night tickets to Lacage, dinner at Antonello. All you do is submit your best cocktail recipe via Live at chefjamie.com. The email address, L-I-V-E at chefjamie.com. Send it to us now. We want to know what you're sipping. That's one and a half weeks from now. A yes. week from Wednesday. Good. Okay. okay. So there's still a little time for you to create the ultimate mojito. Right. And then send them in because <laughs> we do have to test them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the best part of my Wednesday. Right. <laughs> Last but not least, I wanted to mention to you that California King salmon are back. And coming up later this hour, we're going to share with you a simple three ingredient recipe for my vanilla butter basted salmon that is out of this world. Three million pounds will be caught this season, up considerably from last year. We had an opportunity to taste fresh, wild caught California King salmon directly from the water. And man, Mm. was it delicious. Recipe inspiration coming up and everything you ever needed to know about great grilling. There's more after this. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana. Be right back. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. You're listening to KFWB News Talk 980. Since summer is in full swing, Chef Sean Armstrong, executive chef of Montage Deer Valley, is truly cooking away. He has a unique twist on summer cooking with a culinary career that spans two decades and several continents. It's his love of game and the fact that he has developed extraordinary cuisines in high-profile venues in Asia that has brought him wide recognition. He is here to dish chef to chef. We welcome you, Sean. Good morning. Good morning, Chef. How are you? Very well. And you? Fantastic. Good. I'm glad. Well, Lana and I are looking forward to our first experience at Montage Deer Valley. I have not been since I watched it coming to, but it really is an extraordinary place, and we understand that you are creating delectable dishes. It's a, it's a fantastic uh, resort. It's in a beautiful location right on top of the, uh, the mountain. Yes, definitely so. So tell us, what is your best summer dish? Tell us uh, what we'll find off the grill. Well, I think I think summer first and foremost really revolves around the, the product itself. Summer is the best time to get some outstanding produce and vegetable. Um, in the montage uh, in Deer Valley, we're really focused on American Mountain Grill cuisine. Uh, we have some lovely elk and bison in the area. We also have some beautiful local trout that I think is one of the best products coming out of mm. Utah. Um, and you know, we really strive to pair that with the best possible product that we can find. And that's one of the beautiful things about living in Park City, being able to work with the local farmers, the local dairy farmers, and it's an incredible array of product that uh, comes from a great amount of passion. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate the fact that you have a very much a farm-to-fork approach and that I know many of your ingredients come from local farms and the local dairy, as you just mentioned. Tell us about the trout and about your smoked trout, because I've heard about it. Cedar-infused, uh, lots of beautiful, fresh flavor from the summer vegetables. Sure. Our, our trout, it's, uh, it's been pretty much a signature on the menu because it is such a, such a great product. Um, we take a pretty classical approach, and we do an almondine, a trout almondine. It's paired with some haricot vert and a little sage beurre blanc with some roasted potatoes. 
And another way that we're, we're doing the trout also is, is uh, it's a quick cure. It's about a, a, a three-hour cure of salt and sugar, and then it's quickly smoked with cedar, cedar wood. So it's, it's almost like a smoked sashimi. We serve it medium rare. Hmm. It's really a beautiful product. When it's so fresh from the water, you can certainly do that. And we can do that on our backyard barbecues. So you're combining salt and sugar almost like a brine. Yes. Exactly. And then a cedar plank, we can simulate the same on our backyard barbecue. The beauty of trout, one of the things I love is, one, there's nothing better than fresh trout. It just has the most beautiful, clean flavor. And two, because the fillets are so thin, you can really impart fabulous flavor from the grill, whether it be through chips or a plank. You sure can. And we just cure the trout and we put it right on top of the cedar plank. And you can throw the cedar plank topped with the trout right on your grill and, and like you said, infuse it with all those wonderful flavors. Mm, Love that. And the best way uh, to cook those vegetables that you like to serve alongside if we're out on the patio or the porch? Right. I think, you know, just depending on what type of vegetable it is, I really love the vegetables on the char grill as well. Yes. Um, If you can grab one of those char grill woks that are quite popular now, a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper, and, and, you know, a great extra virgin olive oil just tossed on the grill, I think, is a spectacular uh, addition. I agree with you, Sean. If you just tuned in, by the way, we're dishing Chef to Chef with Chef Sean... With Chef Sean Armstrong, Montage Deer Valley. Chef, I understand that you have uh, a fondness for herbs and that you make a killer chimichurri. Correct. That's one <laughs> of the, uh, the, the herbs or one of the, uh, the condiments, rather, that, that I marinate the bison flank in. And it's, uh, it's, it's a very classic uh, a condiment from South America that's made with parsley, a little bit of lime, a little bit of chili, and, uh, you know, I really like the balance from the earthiness of the herbs, the spice, and then the acidity from, uh, from the lime juice. I like the idea. You use a serrano chili in your chimichurri, which is very traditional. It certainly packs a punch when it comes to heat. And I do have this recipe, in fact. Thank you for sharing it. You'd like a sneak peek of Chef Sean's charred bison flank with spring salad recipe. We're posting it at chefjamie.com as we speak. You say just to stem the chili. So you're all for heat, veins and seeds and all? Without a doubt. I was born in Texas about 300 miles from the Mexican border, and uh, it's something I can't live without. Really? Okay, so wait, give us some more inspiration on chilies then. I just found, I hope, or I think, one of your best or favorite ingredients. Without a doubt, you know, it's, it's a comfort food for me, and I like everything from dried guajillos and, and uh, negro chilies, you know, and then all the fresh poblanos and uh, serranos and sure. habaneros. You know, any, any way I can take them, you know, I really love the moles as well. Can you inspire us with a chili recipe off the barbecue for summer? And by the way, when you're making mole, call, because I will fly to you. Well, actually, I just prepared a, uh, prepared a chipotle barbecue uh, sauce today. It's got a little orange juice in it, some brown sugar, some red wine vinegar, some ketchup, and, of mm. course, uh, the chipotles. It's all sautéed together with a little bit of onion and garlic, and then it's pureed and strained. Nice. It's a, it's a quick, quick, easy way to make a really tasty barbecue sauce. Yeah, I love chipotles and adobo because I think the sauce is as good as the chilies themselves, and it just has that really rich, fabulous umami profile to it. Sure, uh, sure. Tell us what you love about bison because we're seeing more and more where our radio show is based here in Southern California, an opportunity to buy bison, like at Bristol Farms, which is our gourmet supermarket. Um, And you can find it online as well. But it's a very lean meat, and you need to know how to properly cook it. 
you're exactly right. It is extremely lean, and it is so lean. It's 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 one of the more healthier proteins out there for you. I mean, it's it's right up there with with chicken and turkey as far as low cholesterol and low fat. But because it does have such a small amount of, of fat, um, it must be cooked at a very high temperature on a, you know on a very hot grill or in a very hot pan, mm-hmm. and best served medium rare, so it retains the moisture and it retains the juices. But if it's done right and if it's seasoned appropriately. Um, and it's cooked with a good technique. It's, it's extremely flavorful and uh, very, very enjoyable. You make a great point, and that is that any bison that you buy is really never very good at well done or even past medium, in my opinion. Sure. Would you say the barbecue or a cast iron pan, those would be my top two smoking hot methods of preparation for a lean meat? Right. I, I would agree with you without okay. a doubt. Well, good to know. Thank you. Talk to us about elk. Because if we can't get our hands on elk loin, I would love for you to describe its flavor. Right. Elk is, uh, I think it's a bit misunderstood because it is not that prevalent in the market at the moment. But we do get to uh, play with it a bit up at Montage Deer Valley. Elk is a great product. Again, it's very lean. It's full of iron and vitamins. It has a relatively uh, gamey flavor because of the iron content. Like bison, it's best served medium rare, Mm -hmm. you know, cooked in a, a very similar fashion. I think uh, elk is one of those meats that really take well to a marinade, you know, a nice red wine with some juniper berries, maybe some rosemary thrown into the marinade, and and it really works well with something like that. Yeah, big, bold flavors. We noticed that there's a house-made elk sausage on the menu at Montage Deer Valley that looks incredible. And I love the combination of heirloom beans, mushrooms, broccolini, and almonds. Mm, It's got a little piquillo pepper in there, which which, uh, is a nice surprise. Oh, you are a pepper chef. Love that. And the short rib ravioli, too. Leave us with that description, because Lana and I were considering getting up to Deer Valley pretty quick for that dish. That's one of our more popular dish. It's a handmade ravioli. Um, Of course, we're using the uh, slow-cooked short rib. We're using a Wagyu short rib for that. Um, And it's stuffed into the the handmade ravioli. It's served with a little bit of demi-glace, a beurre blanc for the acidity, and then it's paired with some artichoke chips and some micro-herbs. Nice. The menu looks absolutely beautiful, and we look forward to an opportunity to entice ourselves with your cuisine. Uh, Make your way up to Montage Deer Valley. It certainly is a beautiful place, and with Chef Sean Armstrong at the helm, you are guaranteed extraordinary cuisine. Chef, next time you come down to visit us, I hope it's during Hatch Chili season, and you'll join us. We do a live radio broadcast where we roast Hatch Chilies, which would, I think, be right up your alley. That would be fantastic. Count me in. Yeah, okay, definitely so. In fact, maybe you'll come out and cook with me, Melissa's uh, fire-roasted hatch chilies, Chef Jamie and Chef Sean Armstrong. I I love it, yeah. It's a plan. Very good. We'll look forward to seeing you then, and if not, in Deer Valley soon. Thanks so much, Sean, for sharing your passion. Thank you. The delicious conversation continues right after this. Don't go away. We're getting fresh this morning. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. There is a new restaurant in town, and we're bringing you the cutting-edge information about 
the best bites anywhere and everywhere. It's called Greenleaf Gourmet Chop Shop, and it's brought to us by Chef Jonathan Rollo. He has an extraordinary history and tenure in the food world. In fact, we share a common bond, having hailed from Patina Restaurant, one of the finest across the country, and he is living his dream of keeping us healthy. Lana, I love what you mentioned. There used to be restaurants, and there still are, where you could eat healthy as an alternative. Well, now it's an easy decision. This is a restaurant that brings big, bountiful salads and absolutely organic, healthy lifestyle to a delicious gourmet setting. And we're thrilled to have you on the radio, Jonathan, and to share your passion. Good morning. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. A pleasure. Okay, this concept of guests creating their own salads, planting your third location, by the way, just recently in Orange County. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Also found in Beverly Hills and Century City. Tell us about the dream. It's about the healthy lifestyle. We're not preaching anything. We're just providing as best of the options as we, as we can. And it's the way that I live. It's the way that a lot of people that I interact on a daily basis live. It's how my team lives. And we range from the build-your-own-salads, which are our most popular option where people can pay attention to specific dietary needs or, or wants, to the more decadent things that, like our carrot cake that people can choose on a weekly or bi-weekly basis so they feel like they've led that balance. Okay, so, uh, wait a second. got to start with dessert because <laughs> life is uncertain, and I didn't eat carrot cake when I was at the restaurant. Ah, uh, well, this just means you have to come back. Yes, for sure. We but- do our own homemade carrot cake with, um, you know, obviously all of our all-natural ingredients, and it's just, it's divine. It's not huge. Again, it's a little bit about balance, so the portion is like a thick slice. Right. And we also do mini versions for a lot of our catering events. And tell us about the ingredients you use. I'm all about carrot cake. What are your sugars of choice? What I mean, are the... It's, it's mostly carrots. Flowers, okay. It's mostly carrots, but we do a, a whole wheat flour and an egg white instead of whole eggs. Smart. We kind of keep on the more nutritious side. Um, we use a raw natural sugar in there. And then I just couldn't get away from the cream cheese topping. The, the, the icing is just too good to be true. So it's, we call it good for your soul. Not necessarily good for your hips. All right, but it's a trade-off to the main course. You're all about whole wheat as well. Yep. And before we get to the bountiful salads, you have a thin crust pizza that I know you spent a couple of years working on, and you could inspire us to create this very clean pizza concept at home. It's based on a whole wheat flour tortilla, right? That's correct. Oh, and it was so delicious. It's a very thin whole wheat flour tortilla with no salt, no sugar added. So it comes in at a very low calorie count, and it provides us a really great base to play with. So we've developed four really great pizzas here for the for the restaurant, and we use it very very frequently in our in our catering events. And people can kind of design their own um, when we do events for them. But it just has has created this great platform for a a nice substantial meal that is not huge in calories but very full. And nutrients, which is, again, why we stick with whole wheat options for all of our carb options. Just maximizing, you know, every bite you put in your mouth should have a, should have a, a value to it. And so we, we choose whole wheat all the time when it comes to uh, any carb options. So if we were to try to recreate it at home, mm-hmm. and it, it won't 
possibly be as good as the wild mushroom and truffle pizza mm, that my favorite. Yeah, we've been very, dreaming about. It was very sturdy and uh, had a wonderful taste to it. And a nice crisp crust, like mm-hmm. you said, but a beautiful complement of toppings. Mm-hmm. Do you suggest we start in the oven or it's the heat of summer, Jonathan? How about on the grill? You can absolutely do it on the grill. You know, I find that most people don't use their convection oven properly. Hmm. So what we do here is start it in the oven with the convection so that it gets totally surrounded by heat, cooked on all sides, and then we finish it off on a grill. So mm-hmm. it, it crisps it up on the bottom even more. Nice. And the beauty with null pieces is that it can be completely seasonal, and you can change it at a whim. You know, if somebody in the family is not feeling particularly healthy that day, then so be it, and, mm-hmm. and no reason to, to fight a, a losing battle. But you can also create wonderful combinations that have all kinds of things that members of your family right? not necessarily regularly, like vegetables or greens or, or anything like that. So we have done versions with kale and with broccoli and with peas and, and all kinds of great vegetables that I know, especially the kids in my family, wouldn't go after conscientiously. Right, but they might go after it if you put it on a pizza. Correct. Yeah, I love that. The grilled vegetable and goat cheese pizza mm-hmm. was... Our second favorite, Truly only to incredible. the wild mushroom. Yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. delicious. Mm-hmm. Speaking of those really rich in nutrients, hearty vegetables, you're all about salads. Uh-huh. And of the many that we tried, um, there was a lot of food on the table. Uh, we had an antioxidant salad. And oh, I love yeah. the idea of getting your vitamins through your lunch or dinner main course. So talk to us about the benefits of those particular vegetables and fruits, if you would, and their antioxidant power. Sure. So the the antioxidant salad is um, definitely one of our most popular. It's a really bountiful combination of fruits, vegetables. We've got our own agave roasted walnuts in there to add some nice crunch. But we use cranberries and red grapes and red onions and a pomegranate vinaigrette to enhance the antioxidant qualities of the salad. It comes on a on a bed of, of really great fresh mixed greens that we get from Scarborough Farms and. To round it out, we add a, a lot of texture to it, some really great, refreshing, crunchy cucumbers. And to mellow it out and add a little bit of sour, we have a, some really great crumbled blue cheese in there, which kind of rounds everything out a little bit. Yeah, it adds that tanginess, that bite, right. and cuts the sweetness a little bit. But pray tell, how does one make agave walnuts? Because that's oh. the new caramelized nut. I love your attention to detail that you would do that. Yeah. Well, you know, again, it's it's about making good substitutions as opposed to necessarily just foregoing a candied nut in general. So we found that when we were candying the nuts, you know, we were boiling them with the traditional recipe. We were boiling them first, which releases a lot of the nutrients into the water and doesn't retain them into the nut. And then we were frying them, which, um, you know, obviously adds all kinds of uh, calories from fat. And then we were coating them in sugar, which... Again, there's all kinds of arguments between agave and sugar, and nothing's perfect at this stage in the game, but at least we feel that the agave is the, the better of the options. Now we are tossing and coating in a little bit of lemon juice and, and agave and roasting the oven, and although they do get sticky sooner than a candied nut normally would, the, the calorie content is a third to a quarter as much as it was when we were frying them. So much, so much less. And, and those the are... the same. Yeah, and, and the flavor is the same, too. Uh-huh. You get the sweet crunch 
that really satiates that textural component of a salad. Because if I'm going to eat a salad, you have to satisfy all of those cravings for me. It has to have what I call a prize, right? It has to have some sort of crouton, a candied nut, a crostini, a, a salty spread on the bread that goes along with the salad so that all of my necessary carb-fulfilling appetite is fulfilled. And, yeah. and that's really mm-hmm. what, what the nut does. And, and that's what we love. And something Absolutely. good in every bite. Yes. Something, that's... something good and balanced in every mm-hmm. bite. We say that each, each ingredient in the, in the bite has to be forkable. <laughs> so you must be able to combine, get that perfect bite. The goal of our salads and the goal of our, our menu in general is not to make you feel like you're eating healthfully. This should be almost tricking your mind and your body into enjoying, really enjoying what you're eating, and yet it is healthy, and yet it is nutrient-rich. You shouldn't have to be justifying it. it. It's okay, it's healthy. It should be, this is great, and it's healthy. And so, that's what everybody is saying. It's all about a smart lifestyle, making good eating decisions, and Greenleaf right. Gourmet Chop Shop is bringing us just that. Uh, we know that we call you the uh, commander in leaf yes. at the restaurant, <laughs> and so we'll do that here. We thank you for uh, bringing a very premium concept to Southern California, and we know that it's con- going to continue to grow. So you heard it here first. For more information on where you can find your next great salad, go to greenleafchopshop.com and you can find them on Facebook and Twitter as well. There's great salad inspiration. Allow this to serve as an idea of putting out a great big salad bar with all of the fresh, fabulous ingredients that you can find this summer and letting everyone toss to their heart's content or just run on over to Greenleaf because we guarantee you will be satiated with a full plate. Jonathan, continued success to you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure. The Los Angeles Times, USA Today, NBC's The Biggest Loser, all certainly triumphing this conscious eating concept and one that we loved. There's more fabulous food insight and information right here and in your radio. You wouldn't dare touch your dial. Now, would you? Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio. You're listening to KFWB News Talk 980. It's eating and drinking like you've never done before. Chef Jamie Gwen with Lana in your radio we have the best culinary thinkers on this show, and his new book is making a great hit in the cookbook world. He is Chef Hugh Atchison, and the book is A New Turn in the South, Southern Flavors Reinvented in Your Kitchen. He is the, uh, of course, Southern restaurateur who has combined his French classical style and great Southern dishes, and you heard him uh, just recently here on the show. We got lots of wonderful response, Chef, about boiled dressing with requests for a 101 lesson from you. So we're so glad that you've come back and we thank you. Happy New Year and welcome back to the show. Well, thanks for having (laughs) me again. Happy New Year. Yes, we hope that you had a delicious holiday season and we're sure you did. And now that we're embarking on a new year, it's a year of learning, of culinary education on this show. And so you're kicking it off with a master lesson. I'm going far beyond the 101 now. Uh, on on boiled dressing. And let's talk about boiled dressing first and foremost. It's not actually boiled. It's heated in a in a double boiler, per se, and it is very traditional to the South. It's, it's really been a recipe that I've seen in cookbooks that were written even over 100 years ago in, in like, Mrs. Dole's Southern Cooking. Um, and it's just a, it's a great, classic Southern 
medium. So you can flavor it in different ways, and it's going to come out remarkably similar to a Caesar-style dressing or something like that. Um, but it, because the egg is, is, is custarded and fully cooked, there's, it's all safe, it's all great, and, and it's just really fun to do. So you start off with, but it's relatively high acid, so I like to pair it with richer proteins and things like that. It goes well with poached chicken and things like that. Yeah, and you put it on your on your BLT salad, which I, I can't imagine anything better than bacon and boiled dressing and lettuce and tomato, good heirloom tomato. Oh, I love it. Right. And that that's a it's a great pairing and uh, but right now in this year I'd probably do it with you know just a, a roasted turnip salad with poached chicken and maybe some Brussels sprout leaves uh, and beautiful arrangement on the plate with a little layer of boiled dressing on the bottom of the plate would be really really good. Oh nice. Okay, so tell us how to do it, please. So we start off with a really good vinegar and uh, we're going to make a, a whisk together egg yolks and vinegar and a little touch of sugar. I'm not really fond of sugar and savory aspects of food, but this benefits it a little bit. It just cuts against that vinegar in a nice way. And some mustard powder, and then a little tiny pinch of flour, and a little cayenne. And we're gonna put that in a little double boiler and just really cook that out and just over medium heat, medium low heat until it really custards out beautifully. And then we're just gonna drizzle in a little bit of uh, of heavy cream and whisk in a little bit of butter and creme fraiche and then thin that all down with a little bit of lemon juice and then we're pretty much done you know you can then you pull it off the heat and you can it'll keep good in the fridge for about a week you can always thin that down with a little bit of water if you need to you can reflavor it with different spices or different herbs it worked really well with fresh tarragon tarragon's one of those spices that's pretty assertive so you want to use or herbs that's pretty assertive so you want to use it in moderation um, but you could do all sorts of different things. The paprika would work really well. Some uh, just chopped up capers or gherkins, oh, or nice. pickles, something like that would work well in it too. So it's it's pretty, you know, it's 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 one of those dressings. The more can be used as a in salad vernacular or as a sauce for a fish or a meat and things like that. It's very versatile. I, I happen right. to love a boiled dressing. The way you the, that you describe it and that you make yours, you don't think it's getting any better after the butter, but then comes the cream and then comes the creme fraiche. And how could it be bad? The beginning of it, though, is very much steeped in the French classic as you speak about much of your cuisine because that, to me, sounds like zabayon. It, yeah, exactly. It's pretty much a savory zabayon right. uh, in, in, in the same way. And then we go to Italy and we have zabaglioni. So, you know, all these things have very European roots to them. But, you know, and I don't know exactly that the, the point in time was that the, this technique got brought over to the States and used in the South to make this, but it's a, it'd be an intriguing research project. Yes, and one that I think every great cook from a recipe standpoint should master. Chef, may we share this recipe on the website? You definitely can, Thank yeah. you. We would love it. You will find Chef Hugh Atchison's boiled dressing recipe as we continue our culinary education of 2012 on the website at chefjamie.com with a link so that you can add a new turn in the South to your cookbook collection. Luxuriously rich. I have to tell you, I can't wait to make a batch today of boiled dressing and put it on just about anything and everything. There's a great recipe of yours, in fact, on the Food & Wine website, Hugh, that actually pairs your boiled dressing with a grilled vegetable salad, which for the summer season... I can only imagine would be spectacular. Yeah, that 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 is a great recipe that we did for for food one a while back, and so that you can do that too. That's that's the flexibility. 
food should be building blocks, little Lego pieces that you put together in different ways. This is just one little Lego piece. Great analogy. Food should be perfectly paired with wine as well, which is not the toughest feat. And perfect is, I think, a, a word we should use loosely. We found some wine pairings for Southern cooking of yours, and I'd like just to take a moment to mention a few of those. I, I love your pairing of collards and beans, which we talked about at Christmas, which we can eat throughout the year, right? Right. Because everyone needs luck all the time. Um, and you paired a, a Beaujolais uh, with this, you know, rich sort of porky flavor. And I, I love the contrast of that pairing. Yeah, I mean, I think Beaujolais is just uh, is such an amazing area. And the Gamay grape is just so cool and interesting and we just need to get past this Beaujolais Nouveau idea. There's a lot more to Beaujolais and true Beaujolais than the uh, than the November release in plastic bottles of, of Beaujolais Nouveau. So, yes, we hear you. We yeah. hear you, definitely. And then just leave us with your perfect pairing for fried chicken. I love the idea of a dry German Riesling. You say it would be awesome and I agree because oftentimes you do see a heavier white paired um, with chicken dishes, and it doesn't apply here. Right. I mean, when we're talking about really dry, uh, almost the grossest of style Rieslings, like a big, dry uh, Riesling, it's they're so complex, and they'll match up with that, and they'll cut into that richness of the fried chicken. Mm. That either rosé champagne would be also awesome. Those are two fun things to pair with. Okay, I'll, I'll toast to both of those, and to you, uh, as we embark on a new year of new food, the book is called A New Turn in the South, and he is Hugh Atchison. When you're in Athens, Georgia, please visit his restaurants along with his in Atlanta as well, and be sure to watch him as a judge on Bravo's Top Chef. We look forward to having you back again, and we thank you for the instruction and the culinary inspiration, Hugh. We love when Hugh Atchison joins us here in our radios, and we love that you're here too. Stay tuned. There's more delicious conversation after this. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana, KFWB News Talk 980. Welcome to Delicious Conversation with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Dish with celebrity chefs, cookbook authors, and food experts, and gain inspirational ideas. You'll learn kitchen wisdom, wine education, and culinary trends, and eat and drink like you've never done before. Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwynn starts now. We're going to make you hungry for more. Food is life. Create and savor yours. Good morning, food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio. This is Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. What's on the menu this morning? Well, your table is ready and your plate is full. Coming up in just a moment, we're going to share the beauties of a Bastille Day celebration. And coming up a little bit after that, your email questions answered all about great grilling. Also, Chef Shachi Mera of Tamarind of London is going to inspire us with our Indian pantry to create modern Indian flavors. And we have an invitation for you. Mark your calendars and plan to join us next Sunday live 
Dave for our annual hot dog breakfast broadcast. We're celebrating National Hot Dog Month at Pink's Hot Dogs, the legendary hot dog stand in West Hollywood. Join us at Pink's live next Sunday beginning at 8 a.m. for two hours of delicious conversation, great guests, and incredibly scrumptious hot dogs. We'll meet you there at Pink's next Sunday. Also, check out my Facebook page at Chef Jamie Gwen for a contest to win two tickets to opening night of La Caja Full at Segerstrom Hall at Segerstrom Performing Arts Center along with dinner at Check it out. It's under Chef Jamie Gwen. But take a listen here because we are celebrating Bastille Day. The French national holiday is celebrated on the 14th of July each year. And if you're lucky enough to be near Paris for the national holiday, you would want to visit the colossal military parade that goes down the Champs-Élysées or watch the fireworks that are magically displayed by the Eiffel Tower. But if you can't be in France to celebrate, you can, of course, celebrate at home. Stéphane Strauch, the owner of Monsieur Marcel at Farmer's Market and Santa Monica, is with us, and we're glad to have you this morning. Uh, bonjour, monsieur. Bonjour, chef. Oh, oui, thank you. It's nice to have you. Lana and I are excited about Bastille Day because it's our mm. uh, chance and opportunity to cook an entirely French meal. That's right. Yes. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the history of the holiday, the French Revolution, of course. Alors, the Bastille Day was uh, July 14, 1789. The French nationalists took over uh, la Place de la Bastille, who was a jail, and liberate all the people who were in jail. Uh, the king at this time was Louis XVI, and the country was going through a, an incredible economic crisis. And the king needed more taxes to live like a king. Yes. And also to, uh, to help for the war, because the French went to help the United States uh, during the war at that time. Uh, so they took over the Bastille, and uh, it was a revolution of the people who didn't want a king anymore. Mm. And uh, it's exactly like for Independence Day for you. It's a liberation for the French. Yes. It's uh, la fête nationale, the national holiday. So we will toast you on that day. The I'll French. Thank you very much. Yes, start of course. Early because, start mm. early because in France, it's nine hours in advance. So when you wake up, you get a glass of wine, and hop, you think about us. And, and we'll do that. We'll open the Rosé Reserve, exactly. the Vanzepé d'Oc, oh, one of your a domain. Beautiful, a beautiful wine. Monsieur Marcel. Yeah, that is a, a beautiful rosé from you your stores. Um, if you were in France, Stéphane, as a, a Frenchman, the Francophiles mm-hmm. everywhere, I understand, party outside, right? You picnic and you would have um, ripe strawberries and a crusty baguette and some I cheese. Would have, I, well, I would have a good wine. Yes. A good baguette. Yes. A little bit of cheese and a little bit of cold cut, and I'll be the happiest man in the world. Maybe a creme brulee at the end, or a mousse au chocolat, and that's all I need for the day. You know, one of the things that I love about Monsieur Marcel, when you're at Farmer's Market in Santa Monica as well, is the very unique French artisanal food products in addition to the local products. But it's your emphasis on France and those products indigenous as well, the charcuteries, the pâtés, the terrines, yeah. the wines, the housewares. And the fact that you've duplicated a lot of the flavors from France in your own products. Lana and I have almost finished the artichoke lemon spread in the jar. Excellent, excellent. One of, my, one of my favorites. Delicious. Tell yeah. us what you do with it, what you, how you like to use it, what you can share to inspire us. I'll tell you something. Uh, I always have one at home. When you have friends who come and you, you, you don't want to cook, you don't want to do much, you open one of those jars, you take a little bit of a cracker 
or bread and you spread it on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put it when I do a cheese platter. I put it on the oh, side nice. Uh, nice. Uh, of the cheese platter. I use it as a dip, mm. but I use it a lot in my sandwich. <gasps> I spread it in my sandwich with oh. a little bit of mozzarella, uh, a little bit more oil, a little bit of balsamic vinegar, a tomato, and, it, and it's delicious. There is so many things you can do with the, the artichoke lemon spread. It, it's a wonderful product. I love the idea of on sandwiches. One of the things, too, that um, we love about Maison Marcel is the restaurant, and you can find French-inspired dishes there. And so we're Mm. glad that you're here this morning as we plan our Bastille Day menu. If we're not going out to picnic, some of the traditional French dishes that you could prepare at home I think are overlooked so much during the year. Like, I love fondue, Stéphane, and I'll take any excuse possible to serve it. (laughs) Yes, no, no, it's a great dish for Bastille Day fondue. And talk about your cheese master's own special recipe, because you do a multitude of cheeses. Yes, we do. We have actually uh, about 250 different kinds of cheese on our cases. And uh, we rotate the, the cheese that we serve at the restaurant. But we have it all. We have it all from every uh, part of France, mm. uh, from Italy, from Spain, from Switzerland, of course. Uh, and it's very difficult for me to speak about cheese. The reason why is I love all of them. And <laughs> everybody asks me, what, which one is your favorite? I love all of them. Yeah, but you know, one of the wonderful things about fondue in the French style, similar to like an American macaroni and cheese, let's say, is that you can use the leftover pieces in the cheese drawer That's right. to make the ultimate fondue. And it makes the ultimate mac and cheese as well. But you have like a, a small piece of glaire left. And the Italians want mind if you throw in a little fontina Absolutely. and you need the traditional the emmentaler um, comte right mm-hmm. the emmentaler if you had a little bit of roquefort like stefan makes in his um, yes. fondue savoyard you're going to have a little bit of pungency mm-hmm. from the blue right that's right they all come together beautifully yeah and then also the cocovan is one of my favorites oh we're cocovan uh, the, the, the lovers the in this family is, uh, is, a, is a typical uh, french dish who serve in almost every bistro in Paris. Um, we have the recipe from... Uh, I got the recipe from uh, a chef uh, who used to work at Brasile d'Alma in Paris. And it, it, it's, a, it's a dish that everybody enjoys. Lardon, of course, the... little pearl onion, the burgundy reduction. Yes. Uh, we, we serve it on the side with our... Uh, Gratin potato mm. with the gruyere on the top that oh. we put on the salamander. It's delicious. Yeah, you've made me very hungry, Stefan. It's all <laughs> your fault. Um, talk to us uh, about a traditional croque mesure, uh, a, a good mesure, a good gentleman speaking about the ultimate sandwich. How can we recreate it ultimately at home? It's, it's all about doing a good bechamel. Yes. Uh, a croque monsieur without the bechamel and without, of course, the, the proper ham. Uh, it's not a croque monsieur. So you have to have to do a good bechamel. Of course, you have to put a good gruyere on top or a comté and, uh, and a good ham. And it's, uh, the croque monsieur again, it's, uh, it's something that you find in any bistro in Paris. And you also have the croque madame. The croque madame is the croque monsieur but with a, an egg on the top, a fried egg. And it's uh, something easy to eat, to, uh, uh, have good flavor between the gruyere, the bechamel, the, mm. the mm. ham, and the, the country bread that we use. It's, mm. it's, 
It's a great sandwich. It's the ultimate sandwich. Yes. So, so far we've covered uh, coco van. You could plan for fondue. Mm-hmm. You could do croque monsieur, croque madame. You could make gougere just to start, right? The French puff uh, filled with, you could do gruyere, emmental, or cheese there as mm-hmm. well, which I love. Um, you could go all out and go escargot. Or Lana and I were thinking beef bourguignon. And to honor Julia Child. Oh, we got oh. an awe from the Frenchman. <laughs> Julia Child's birthday is coming up. August eight, uh, August 15th, mm-hmm. rather. And what is, you know, more French and more Julia than beef bourguignon? Nothing. Yeah, Nothing, it's, really. It's, it's no. the top of the, of the beef from France. What is your secret? Stefan. Ah, the secret is the wine reduction. Yes. If the wine reduction and, and how long, um, you know, it takes to cook the, the beef, the beef becomes very tender, is marinated in the wine reduction. It's a, it's a, it's a work of, uh, of passion, the yes. bourguignon. It takes yes. a lot of time. It's just not something you, you, you cook in five minutes. It's a work of passion. You start in the morning and you, you have it for dinner. Uh, Yes, and it's worth all day, don't you think? Yes, It's really worth all day. We hope that you will plan a trip uh, in advance of Bastille Day to Monsieur Marcel. You'll find at Farmer's Market, 3rd and Fairfax, in Santa Monica as well, and with Beverly Hills on the way. Stéphane Strauch definitely offers the best of France. I love the vintage Merlot salt at Monsieur Marcel, the moutarde au piment d'Espelette. Yeah, Espelette pepper in a mustard that has just this beautiful, bright bite and acidity. It's gorgeous. And people need to know about Espelette. Uh, Espelette is a little city who became an AOC. Uh, and it's the only city where you can find this typical this, the piment d'Espelette. Yes. Uh, and you cannot call it piment d'Espelette if it doesn't come from the city and if it doesn't have the, the stamp with the AOC. It's very particular. Mm-hmm. We, we love that they are so particular about not only uh, where the foods are indigenous from, but the quality of the products, too, as we know you are. We're using yes. your rosemary skewers on the barbecue tonight. Absolutely. Can't wait. And we look forward to seeing you at your store soon. You can find out more to celebrate a Bastille Day in your own home at Mr. Marcel. Stands for Monsieur Marcel. It's M-R-M-A-R-C-E-L. Dot com. Thank you very much for sharing your passion, Thank Stéphane. Thank you very much, Chef. Uh, we will speak with you or see you soon. Absolutely. Uh, oui, au revoir, merci. Au revoir, à bientôt. Uh, oui, à bientôt. There's more delicious conversation in every language and every style right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana. Don't go away. This is your culinary playground every Sunday morning. The delicious conversation continues, and we're serving up seconds with recipes galore at ChefJamie.com. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. If you're in search of the world's best beef, then you're tasting steaks for recreation, right? That's what we're doing, Lana. And I thought that we would share uh, the success of our July 4th barbecue because it was a steak fest, really. Mm. We tasted everything from grass-fed steaks or beef to prime-grade beef mm-hmm. to dry-aged beef, but I will say that the newest find at Bristol Farms is a grass-fed Wagyu that I thought was out of this world. Outstanding. It really was. Now, here's a quick refresher, by the way. Wagyu is a breed from Japan 
that is genetically prone to have more intramuscular fat. But it is not raised in the legendary Kobe fashion, so therefore it can't be called Kobe. And the process of Wagyu, or the breed itself, has been brought to the States, and you'll find American Wagyu now, and it's supposed to be a close comparison to Kobe. There's really nothing like Kobe, of which, by the way, you can have like one or two bites. You and I actually indulged in, uh, I think it was a one or two ounce portion of Kobe that was quickly grilled on a hot stone mm-hmm. at Morimoto in New York, mm-hmm. right down in Chelsea. It's the very, it's a very buttery taste. It is, but it's like sort of gnawing on, on a stick of butter. Mm-hmm. And there is an in-between because this grass-fed Wagyu from New Zealand that's available at Bristol Farms now has that wonderful richness to it and higher levels of good monounsaturated fats, but it is not as heavily marbled. So it's not that overly fatty flavor that you can't eat much of. I thought those steaks were so buttery, both the ribeye and the New York, Mm -hmm. so flavorful, so rich and delicious. It wasn't too heavy. It had a lightness to it, and it was a damn good steak. Mm, It really was. I like the New York better. I know you did. They were both fabulous. They really were. uh, Different flavors. I like the chew to the New York as well. And Mm -hmm. I'm a ribeye girl. Mm -hmm. So really just proving that the meat is delicious. If you're in search of the best steak, then you should really check out the butcher section of Bristol Farms. We know you have good taste to shop where the meat is the best. And really try from all the fabulous flavors. We talked about bison uh, last hour, in fact, and grass-fed. And determine what your palate loves. Mm -hmm. And then pour yourself a cold beer. And fire up the Barbie. Now, it's, it's also the additions that you uh, place with the steak. Right. We did the spicy red onion marmalade. Oh, that was so good. And so you've we got, put an egg on top. Yeah, red chili paste, by the way, in that spicy red onion marmalade. And then the sweetness of long, one-hour, slowly cooked caramelized onions. What a gorgeous compliment. And then, yes, doesn't every Wagyu steak need a fried egg? Of course. Okay, you're invited. Come on over. I mentioned, (laughs) um, pour yourself a beer. And I wanted to mention, uh, in addition, that Victor Novak, the brewmaster from Taps Fish House and Brewery and the Catch, is going to be joining us in the coming weeks to talk about some of his best summer beers and this coffee-infused just lusciousness that I'm making um uh, like uh, coffee floats with, mm-hmm. but it's it's Victor's coffee beer. Right. Yeah, and you want to come to my house for ice cream. But I'm not sure that Victor would like this. We were with no. some friends that put ice in their beer. Yes, there's this new cocktail controversy that we mm-hmm. thought we would put out there. It's summer. Are you drinking your beer on ice? Well, supposedly it's the new craze that's crossing the country with this incredible heat wave. And with no disrespect meant to beer, Victor, by the way, his stomach is churning. As he listens to this right now, he's sinking down in his couch. Well, I know that I mentioned it's like putting ice into wine. It is because really, I mean, anybody that loves, uh, you know, a rich, hearty lager uh, or a porter or the New Belgium is saying that you're taking any beer with character and adversely affecting it because you're mellowing the mouthfeel and altering the taste and the balance. I get that. I didn't say I was putting ice in. 
in my beer, by the way, but you can always email me and let me know what you're doing. Uh, you can always write to us, by the way, live at chefjamie.com or jamie at chefjamie.com or lana at chefjamie.com, but we do want to know. Uh, there are lots of new beer cocktails out there, too. I threw out a beer sangria some weeks ago, which is posted on the website at chefjamie.com. You can make micheladas. You can combine beer and tomato juice and well, create a new cocktail. If you put uh, ice in Bloody Marys, ice in your Coke, then maybe ice in your beer works. I don't know. I don't think v- Victor's ever going to talk to you again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and actually, I'm in trouble. I'm counting on it. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of summer sips, we have a contest going on that you can win two tickets to opening night of La Caja Full at Segerstrom Hall at Segerstrom Center for the Arts, along with a $100 gift certificate to dine at Antonello's Ristorante. And we're raising the bar. All you have to do is send us your best summer cocktail recipe, and you write to live, L-I-V-E at chefjamie.com via email. And don't forget, too, that we're broadcasting live from Pink's Hot Dogs next Sunday, so you could come bring your cocktail recipe in person. It's our na- uh, National Hot Dog Month hot dog Annual. breakfast broadcast. Annual hot Annual dogs National for breakfast. I'll have another chili cheese dog. Next <laughs> Sunday, Pink's Hot Dogs, West Hollywood. Meet us there, 8 to 10 a.m. Oh, wait till you taste Jamie's dog this uh, year. It's the Chef Jamie Farmer's Market Hot Dog of 2012. Yeah. It's pretty cool, I have to say, and you'll be shocked to hear it has no bacon on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's full of uh, Farmer's Market fabulous. goodness, and we went mm. and tested it and tasted it. Thank you, Pink's, for indulging us in another excuse to have a hot dog. We'll see you next Sunday. And as we uh, continue the culinary conversation, you spoke and we listened. So you can ask the chef at any time. If you have a cooking question, you need a technique or a hint, you're not sure about a quantity or a substitution, or you're having problems with one of your recipes, then um, email us live at chefjamie.com. Lana, which one do you want to take here? Uh, freezing pesto. I think that's a or, great question. Yeah, Peter. It uh, came in from Peter, it. yes, mm-hmm. and because he has a bounty of basic in his garden. I talked about frying the leaves last hour. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful garnish, but what do you do when you want to freeze your batches of pesto for a welcome return to the summer when the months do get colder, By with, which, by the way, they will? Um, before you prepare your pesto, I suggest that you have a jar or a container, a heavy-duty plastic container ready, and your roll of plastic wrap, and I'll tell you why. Make your pesto, and I love your pesto because it's a, a mix of herbs, mm-hmm. right? It's basil, Parsley. Sometimes it has arugula. You've been known to throw in mint. It has the uh, toasted pine nuts and whether it's roasted or fresh garlic. I use walnuts as well. I love that or flavor. Or pistachios even are fabulous. Ooh, pistachio mint mm. pesto. That's one of my mm-hmm. favorite combos. But no matter what you put in your pesto, you puree it in the food processor, Parmesan cheese or not, it will freeze just as well either way. And you pack the pesto into the container. You leave a quarter inch at the top so that you can put a layer of olive oil over it. It seals in not only the flavor and the aromas, but the color. I like to do my nice cube trays. I know you do. Yes. I love that. So about then you, you just pop it out and just throw it into any dish, whether it be your spaghetti sauce or any any sauces you're making. Super smart. Or on top, of, even as it's defrosted on top of a steak. Mm, beauteous. Mm. Love that. Mm. Ooh, you're making pesto compound butter. I love it. There we go. A layer of olive oil on top, by the way. Plastic wrap on top of that. And then screw on the top of the jar or the container. And, Peter, you should be able to freeze your pesto for a good three months with really exquisite quality. Continue to send your cooking questions, please, to live, L-I-V-E, at chefjamie.com or check us out at chefjamie.com. 
This is your culinary culture and lifestyle show. We're celebrating food, and there's more after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio. Food is our passion, and it's Shachi Mera's passion, too. She is the executive chef at the helm of Tamarind of London, the contemporary Indian restaurant in Newport Beach at Crystal Cove, and she's joining us to add some flavor to our dishes. I love Indian food. I love the exotic spices and the flavors and the fact that you add new flavor profiles to your palate every time you dine. It's Chef Shachi's naan and the paneer and everything from the tandoor that is so luscious. And there's much hype surrounding Tamarind. The flagship London restaurant has earned a Michelin star every year since 2001. And we're very glad to have you. Good morning, Shachi. Good morning, Jamie and Lana. How are you? Good morning. We're doing great. Thank you. I would be a bit better if I had some of your... um, Roasted garlic naan in front of me right now, <laughs> most probably with some yogurt sauce for dipping. Mm. Or I probably arrange for that this evening. Yeah, okay, <laughs> that would be a good plan. And then that starter that we love, the the crisp chips, the chickpea chat. Chickpea chat is a very interesting approach to a cold appetizer that we never expected the first time, but I order over and over again now. That is actually a very traditional sort of street food. Uh, eaten in India. Chaat, the word chaat literally means to lick, and there's a lot of dishes that fall under under the genre of chaat, and most of them are cold. Some of them are warm, but they're all very, very flavorful. They're sour, they're spicy, they're sweet. They're an explosion in your mouth with every bite. That's what I love about the chaat, is that it has that sweet component from the chutney, right? Right. And there. then the cool from the cream of the yogurt and the crispness from the cracker. Yeah. It's like the perfect Indian cocktail counterpart. That's what I love about it. Um, you artfully integrate California's beautiful selection of seasonal, farmer's market, fresh, local, sustainable foods into your Indian classics. And I wonder if you would tell us how Indian food fits into contemporary cuisine today, in your opinion. I think contemporary cuisine in the States, and especially in California, people's palates are opening up to more interesting things. And Indian food is one of those cuisines where there's a lot of flavor in every bite, in every dish. There's multiple layers of flavor that go into each one. And I think that since people are opening up their palates to something, you know, a little bit different than what they may be used to, it's a lot easier for me to take something that's very Californian and add the Indian spice to it or take something very traditionally Indian and just add a different ingredient to make it a little bit more accessible to someone who may not necessarily be comfortable with Indian food. Uh, Shachi, what dish of yours gets the most attention? There's a couple, Mm. actually. Uh, Some of our most popular are the chickpea chaat, for sure. The lamb chops are Mm. a favorite. The goat cheese naan. Oh, Yes, the goat cheese naan. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just had to repeat that. That's how good it is. Mm-hmm. And then there, there's the date and, is it date and the almond? Date, yeah, there's a date and almond naan. Uh, that does really well as well. The duck curry was a surprise to me. Uh, when I put it on the menu, I put it on because I really liked it. It was one of those things where I hope my, my guests like it. And it's been on since our opening menu. And it's not something I don't think I could take off. Because mm. a lot of people come back over and over for it. Um, the black lentils is something I've had a lot of people say, I don't even like lentils, but I love these. Oh, they're wonderful. Mm. 
As far as the lamb chops are concerned, we're deep in the heart of summer grilling. And while we can't duplicate the heat level of your tandoors, can we recreate that tenderness and the flavor of your lamb on our backyard barbecue? And we hope you'll inspire us and share some ingredients, too. Absolutely. Um, the lamb chops that we do in the tandoor, obviously the tandoors are between um, five and 700 degrees. But you could easily grill a lamb chop. And part of what makes our lamb chops so very, very tender is yogurt in the marinade. Yogurt acts as a tenderizer. And we also have malt vinegar and green papaya. So Ooh. green Asian papaya and also pineapple act as tenderizers. So if you're making something in which you don't mind a little pineapple flavor or if it would heighten the flavor of what you're making, go ahead and add a little bit of pureed pineapple to that. Uh, the green papaya doesn't necessarily add any flavor, but if you keep some puree, if you buy a green pineapple, uh, green papaya, and puree it in the blender and just keep that puree in the freezer and every time you're making a marinade for a lamb chop or for a steak, even for chicken, um, just add about a teaspoonful for four people or six people um, and you'll notice a difference in how tender your meat is. What a great tip. And why the malt vinegar? Malt vinegar adds a level of brightness and flavor to the marinade, and again, it acts as a tenderizer as well. Mm, I love so for that. The, for the lamb chops, we've got the yogurt, we've got the vinegar, and the green papaya. You talk about yogurt a lot, and I mentioned it. I happen to love the, the sauce, the raita, that you serve as well, but yogurt that you use in your dishes as an ingredient, what kind of yogurt should we buy? You can actually, whatever yogurt you prefer in your house, whether it's full fat or low fat or non-fat or Greek yogurt, whatever, you don't have to buy a specific kind of yogurt to okay. add it to your food. We use whole milk yogurt in the restaurant, but you can actually use whatever yogurt you have at home as long as it's plain and not flavored. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. Now, speaking of yogurt and these ingredients, I would like to build an Asian pantry. So share with us the essentials, the basic spices, and then some of the standard produce that you keep on hand because we can really infuse a little bit of Indian flavor into our signature California dishes ourselves and just get that hint of flavor, that hint of spice to elevate the dish. Absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of things that um, if you just add a little bit of spice, it'll turn into something totally new. Mm -hmm. um, Basic spices to keep, just on a very basic level, I would keep cumin, coriander seeds, turmeric, brown or black mustard seeds, red chili powder, paprika, and if you can, garam masala. Every household has their own recipe. You can buy it already made or you can buy your own. One thing I will say about having spices in the house is I would always recommend to buy them whole and grind them yourself at home. Yes, and I agree, and I've preached that for as many years as we've been on the radio. Your coffee grinder is for coffee. Your spice grinder is for spices. And should you blend the two, your morning cup of joe will not be so delicious. <laughs> but truth be told, you know, a $20 whiz-whiz coffee grinder that has, you know, from your label maker, just a marking that says spice grinder comes in really handy Talk about elevating the flavor of your dishes. You toast the spices in a small saute pan on top of your stovetop, no matter whether you use gas, glass, electric. And you feel and smell the aromatic beginning to, to fill the kitchen. And once you sense that nose, right, Shachi, yeah. then you yep. grind the spices. It is a hundred times more potent, more beautifully flavored than if you took the ground spice out of the jar. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, most ground spices that you'll find in the store 
you're not sure when they were ground. So once you open it, it'll probably lose its flavor very, very quickly. Yes. And if it has any at all. It's, if you're going to spend the money on buying the spices, then I would buy it whole and be able to use it within three months. Um, ground spices, it's really you're just adding some powder to your dish and you're not really adding flavor. Mm. And I, I must ask, Shachi, how many different spices are in your uh, blend of garam masala? Ours has... Oh, she's counting now. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard <laughs> exorbitant numbers. We've, no, actually it's not. Garam masala is, is not as frightening as it sounds. Uh-huh. Ours has nine or ten different spices in it. Can you mm. disclose most of them or yes. tell us about the family yeah. recipe, please? So every family has a different garam masala recipe simply because some people prefer to have more coriander flavor. Some people prefer more cumin. I've heard of people where their garam masala only has cinnamon and star anise. Um, I've I've read that somewhere. So ours, generally, garam masala will have coriander, cumin, bay leaf, cinnamon, cardamom, green, and black, clove. Some people add star anise. Most people do not. Um, It's also a regional thing. Different regions have different Mm -hmm. spices that they use more or less of. Interesting. And so your personal garam masala is different than your family's back home in India? Yes. Everyone has their own unique flavor, and you have your own unique flavor. We're going to continue to develop it right after this when we continue our Indian-inspired conversation with executive chef Shachi Mera of Tamarind of London at Crystal Cove, Newport Beach, California. There's more after this. Stay tuned. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana. Be right back. We have the best culinary thinkers on this show, Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana, joined by Chef Shachi Mera of Tamarind of London, the contemporary Indian restaurant in Newport Beach. Mera has cut her teeth at some of the finest Indian restaurants in the country, including New York City's Tabla and the Bread Bar, Bombay Club. In fact, during your tenure there, Shachi, you were named one of the rising stars, I know, by Gentry Magazine. Congratulations. We're glad to have you in our backyard. And we're continuing to talk Indian cuisine. Chef, continue, if you would, on your pantry list, some of the basics. Beyond those basics, there's a lot of spices that people already have in their cabinets, but they don't necessarily associate with Indian food, including cinnamon, bay leaves, clove, star anise. Those are all used in different quantities for different dishes in Indian food. And produce items that I like to keep on hand always are onions, tomatoes, ginger, garlic, green chilies. I prefer serranos, Mm. cilantro, and if you can find them, curry leaves. Fresh curry leaves. Yes. And if you find fresh curry leaves, often at the Asian market, by the way, how can we uh, store them essentially or, you know, keep them for the winter? If you're not going to use them all right away, you can freeze them. Ah, okay. Uh, Just wrap them in a paper towel and put them in a Ziploc bag and freeze them. They will lose some of their brightness, Hmm. but they still have that curry leaf flavor. If there were three recipes, Shachi, that we must try, what would you inspire home cooks to create? I think with grilling season upon us, if you could add some spice to your marinade, Mm. just take whatever your 
normal marinade that you were going to put on your chicken or your lamb chop or your and your steak, whether it's a rub or something, add one or two other spices to it and trust your palate. Taste it, and if it tastes good, then it's going to taste good when you cook it. Mm. And if you feel like it needs something else, a lot of times it's easy to identify what the flavor of a spice is once you grind it and you smell it. You, you'll, you'll be able to tell that the cumin adds a little bit of a woodsy flavor, and coriander is a bit bright and citrusy. And I think if you can trust your palate enough, then you can add a little bit of spice to everything that you do, and you'll be amazed at how easy it is to add Indian spices to what you do. I like that idea. I like the idea of adding spices to dressings, salad dressings as well. And you shared a recipe with us, which we've posted at chefjamie.com, by the way. And you'll find a direct link to Tamarind of London there as well. It's for a roasted corn salad. And you roast the corn for the salad in the tandoor. So good. Um, but you say it can be roasted on a grill. So talk us through the recipe. Absolutely. It's something corn for me and grilling corn is very summer. It's very... You know, it's what you do in the summer. You grill things. And yeah. I grew up grilling corn on the stove. I mean, we, that's what we did. We didn't have a grill outside, so we grilled it on the stove. If you go to India, um, there's guys on the streets with, and they're grilling corn on coal. And they rub it with a lime that you dip in a mix of salt and chili powder. And you just take that lime and rub it across oh. the corn. And, and you, you stand on the street and gnaw and at it. it. Yes. Oh, yum. And the big difference between the corn in India and the corn here and what makes it even more delicious is the corn here is so sweet. So the addition of the lime and the chili and the cilantro really helps um, bring out the sweetness and it's kind of like a, a play with both of each other. They're playing off each other in your mouth. It's You know, you've got cumin or you have lime juice and cilantro and chili and heat and if you add butter, you have the creaminess of that. So that's where this salad came from for me. It's, it's standing on the street and eating a, a corn cob that's been rubbed with lime and chili. And to be able to present that in a way that my customers and my guests would love is, is important and it's fun for me. It's taking something that, that's very close to my heart and reminds me of, you know, my childhood and I can present it on a plate to, to people here. All of the memorable experiences you had in India brought to our plates at the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah, very fabulous. I can't wait to make this dressing of olive oil and lime juice and cumin uh, from the roasted toasty seeds, as Shachi mentioned earlier, uh, the chaat masala, a little bit of salt and sugar, just beautiful on a corn salad. That's my next, Lana, Sunday supper side salad off the grill, inspired by Chef Shachi Mara. I'll be there. I'll give you all the credit, Chef, I promise. Uh, and if you plan to make your own roasted corn salad inspired by Executive Chef Shachi Mara of Tamarind of London, steal the recipe at chefjamie.com and make a plan to visit the restaurant located in the chic Crystal Cove promenade in Newport Beach. There's a terrific happy hour, and you'll find on the menu just some of the most delicious dishes that will inspire you, hopefully, to add Indian flavor to your 
home cooking, and we'll plan to see you there when oh, we chat the, the bar. The ambiance is just divine. That it Beautiful is. restaurant. And the steamed mussels have reached divinity as well with the coconut milk. My favorite. I know. And the fennel and the coriander and the curry leaf. I couldn't help but mention it, Shachi. <laughs> I just couldn't. Great. Uh, we are very impressed by your background. Um, in fact, Chef Floyd, Car- Floyd Cardoz has been on this radio program, and we know that you are bringing exquisite cuisine to Southern California, and so we thank you. We look forward to seeing you at the restaurant soon. Thank you so much, Jamie. And, and thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy all these juicy tidbits of information. We wanted to mention to you, per our state conversation earlier this hour, that there are a few tips you should never forget when grilling steaks this summer. First and foremost, steaks that go onto the grill at room temperature cook more evenly throughout. Mm-hmm. You get a gorgeous medium rare, top to bottom, side to side. Take them out at least 20, 30, 40 minutes early. Right, and let them sit on the counter. Mm-hmm. Take them out of the package, the paper, the bag, however the butcher at Bristol Farms wrap them for you or your favorite butcher shop, and let them come to room temperature. Also, I like to season in advance. Season early. Yes, definitely. Definitely, because that salt, that flavor really infuses into the meat. I like the new salt that we used, Lana. That very large crystal sea salt. Yeah, coarse grain you'll see often on the label sea salt. And interestingly enough, the salt melts, but it still keeps a crust on the steak. So when you bite into the steak, you get a burst of salt flavor to blend with the meatiness. And it's really a wonderful flavor profile. Mm -hmm. And then last but not least, third and most important tip really to grilling a steak is that you must let it rest, chillax, relax, whatever you want to call it. The steak needs to have time for the protein to actually relax after it's been tightened from cooking on the grill and the juices need to circulate. After you take your steak off the grill, at least five minutes, but preferably ten. What do you think? Uh, At least five or ten. Yes. There's no doubt. But when you put it on the grill, do not touch it. No. Leave it in one place and at don't least two to three minutes. Poke it or prod it either. Right. No poking. Tongs only. That's right. And a good sear, a good char is truly about the patience of a great grilled steak. Our last bite for this Sunday. Oh, serve your sliders with a spiked milkshake. Yes. Dessert there inspiration for oh, after dinner tonight. A little bananas Foster's thought of some ice cream and banana and spice rum and some butterscotch sauce or caramel into the blender just mix it all up add another tablespoon of rum at the end and top it with whipped cream yeah and you have a bananas foster spiked milkshake and that was your last bite i'll take it be sure to join us next sunday we're broadcasting live july 15th from pink's hot dogs to celebrate national hot dog month it is our annual hot dog breakfast broadcast so come have a chili cheese dog meet the pink share your culinary passion We are sharing free hot dogs for the first half hour beginning at 9 a.m. of the Pink's opening, but we'll be there beginning at 8 a.m. live on the radio just off of Melrose on La Brea in West Hollywood at the legendary hot dog stand Pink's, and we hope you'll join us. Until next Sunday when we meet you live, you can find us serving up seconds at chefjamie.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. We hope you continue to eat well. The preceding program has been brought to you by Taste Bud Entertainment.